go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we will explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 13 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. Yes, you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to the renewal of the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, families, as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome all of our listeners, and we're in the midst of a great series that we believe is critical to the call to rebuild and renew the American Catholic Church. That's right, Leslie. Our series is the call to return to biblical Christianity, and we've been on an exciting journey into the Acts of the Apostles, where we are discovering the characteristics that made those early Christians such a powerful force, pulling together Scripture excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church, we are being challenged on just how we too can start to live as those early Christians did. Well, last week we discussed the call to worship the Lord, our Father, Son, and His Holy Spirit. And we talked about how Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we also learned the Father's actually seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So, Peter, let's give a brief summary or overview of this critical part of our Catholic identity. Yes, thanks, Leslie. So last week we ended our discussion on how just the Mass is the supreme way that we Catholic believers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Therefore, the decline in mass attendance that we talked about is more than just an attendance problem, right? It really represents a lack of conversion in God's people and an understanding the place that the mass plays in our worship of God. In the church's catechesis, she gives us this explanation of the theological and spiritual significance of adoration, which we know is a synonym for worship. It says, to adore God is to acknowledge in respect and absolute submission the nothingness of the, create, of the creature who would not exist but for God. That's good to stop and think about for a minute. To adore God is to praise and exalt him, to humble oneself as Mary did in the Magnificat, confessing with gratitude that he's done great things and is holy is his name. The worship of the one true God sets man free, I love that word free, Leslie, from turning it 
on himself from the slavery of sin and the idolatry of the world. Well, last week, Peter, you also helped us see that there's a distinction between external and internal adoration or worship. Yeah, that's right. Our, the great St. Thomas Aquinas was really helpful for us to really understand how worship operates in our human nature, Leslie. And he said this, he said, since we are composed of a twofold nature, intellectual and sensible, we offer to God a twofold adoration, namely spiritual adoration consisting in the internal devotion of the mind and bodily adoration, which consists in an exterior humbling of the body. And he said it follows that exterior adoration is offered on account of interior adoration. In other words, Leslie, he's saying that we exhibit signs of humility in our bodies in order to incite our affections to submit to God. And as we mentioned last week, through the gestures, Leslie, we use at Mass, we enter into those external forms of worship St. Thomas is talking about. Well, one of the things that I reflected on after our program last week was that in many cases, we've become desensitized to the meaning behind the ritual gestures of worship in the Mass. I know particularly I can take them for granted. What are some of those most important gestures as we participate in the Mass that we should be aware of that they're really helping us enter into worship? Well, let's for a moment, take ourselves in a journey as we see ourselves going to Mass, Leslie, and think about these um, outward gestures that are, as St. Thomas said, a part of our worship. First of all, bowing at the name of Jesus. So this origin of bowing the head at the mention of the holy name of Jesus is scriptural. It's found in Philippians 2.10, where it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, earth, and under the earth. In fact, interestingly, in my research, the bow was mandated at the Second Ecumenical Council of Lyon, conveyed by Pope Gregory X in 1274. And this is a great quote. He said, whenever that glorious name is recalled, especially during the sacred mysteries of the Mass, everyone should bow the knees of his heart, which can even do as he bows his head. Well, what about the sign of the cross? Yeah, the sign of the cross is something else then we can see ourselves doing at Mass. On the principal gestures of Christian worship, the sign of the cross is tracing the cross of our body, and it signifies our salvation through Christ's sacrifice. One of the great writers of the 20th century, Father Romano Gardini, had a little book called Sacred Signs, and he just said this about the sign of the cross. He said, it's the sign of the universe and the sign of of our redemption. Now, what about when we strike the breast during the penitential act? I've always wondered about that one. And this is always special to me. I can remember as an altar boy that every time we came to that, we would strike the breast and say, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Yes, the gesture of striking the breast expresses sorrow, unworthiness, and extreme humility. Going back to Father Gardini, he had a great quote, Leslie, about striking the breast, and he said this, to strike the breast is to beat against the gates of our inner world in order to shatter them. And then listen to this, the blow also is a wake, is a wake up to us. It is to shake the soul awake into the consciousness of God is calling. She reflects, repents, and is contrite. Well, one of the real differences we noticed when we came back to the Catholic Church is just the amount of kneeling that is done in the Mass. We stand up, we kneel, we stand up, we kneel. 
in ev- evangelical services that we were accustomed to, there was no kneeling at all. Yeah, I think we hardly ever knelt, and that's not a criticism, but just the reality of this worship. So kneeling, Leslie, is almost a universal ri- ritual and gesture of homage and honor. In fact, Cardinal Retzinger, who Benedict, was Benedict XVI, talked about the kneeling in his body and the liturgy, and he said this, Knowing does not kneeling does not come from any culture. It comes from the Bible and its knowledge of God. The central importance of kneeling in the Bible can be seen in very concrete ways. The word proskynean alone, that's the Greek word for kneeling, Leslie, occurs 59 times in the New Testament and 24 times in the book of Revelation, the book of heavenly liturgy, which is presented to the church as the standard of our own liturgy. Well, these are all great reminders, yes. Peter, of mm. the importance of us being properly disposed when we go to the Mass and really entering into worship through our gestures. So, listeners, we're going to take a little short break now, and when we return, we're going to continue to discover biblical Christianity as St. Paul and Silas travel to Thessalonica, where we're going to uncover a powerful insight into their message. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. In this series, we've been exploring the call to return to biblical Christianity and discovering the characteristics that made the early Christians such a powerful force. Peter, what do we see now when we continue our journey today? Leslie, let's read what happens when St. Paul and Silas arrive in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17 as we continue to go on the second missionary journey. After Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on the three Sabbath days argued with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This is the Messiah, Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplace, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. 
While they were searching for Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly, they attacked Jason's house. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city authorities, shouting, These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has entertained them as guests. They are all acting contrary to the degrees of the emperor, saying that there's another king named Jesus. The people and the city officials were disturbed when they heard this. So, Leslie, Paul and Silas were preaching that there's another king and his name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit here, I believe, is opening up to us a critical insight into what the gospel message is. The gospel is the kingdom of God and all about King Jesus. In fact, as an aside, Leslie, Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection, before his ascension, and it says in Acts, he was speaking to the apostles about the kingdom of God. I'd like to have those podcasts. Now, in a previous program, we did touch on the kingdom of God, and you shared with us what Pope Benedict XVI taught us about the kingdom of God in his historic writing, Jesus of Nazareth. And I thought it was very helpful. It clarified my understanding of what we mean when we talk about the kingdom of God. Do you want to take us there and just kind of review some of those principles? Yeah, I think that's uh, really important, Leslie. Benedict XVI really opened up our understanding uh, historically and brought us up to date on what is just the kingdom of God. We had mentioned before that the kingdom of God occurs 122 times in the New Testament, and 99 of those occurrences are in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then 90 of those 99 occurrences came from the mouth of Jesus himself. And we can examine three historic and harmonizing interpretations of the kingdom of God that Benedict really opened up to us. Right. He really breaks it down. Yes. And, and we need to understand this in order to understand the importance of it. Number one, the Christological dimension of the kingdom. In other words, here we see that the kingdom is not a thing, Leslie. It's not a geographical dominion like worldly kingdoms. Rather, it's a person. It is he, Jesus. On this interpretation, the Pope said, the term kingdom of God is itself a veiled Christology. By the way, in which he speaks of the kingdom of God, Jesus leads men to realize this overwhelming fact that in him, God himself is present among us, that he's God's presence. So that's how Benedict, first of all, tells us that there is a Christological or Jesus Christ-centered dimension to the kingdom. It's right. Jesus himself. Right. Jesus is king. Yes, Secondly, there is a mystical dimension the Pope shared with us. He said this, here we see that the kingdom of God resides in the heart of man. Origen, he said, an early church theologian wrote, those who pray for the coming of the kingdom of God, pray without any doubt for the kingdom of God that they contain in themselves, and they pray that this kingdom might bear fruit and attain its fullness. So that's the mystical dimension, that as we're believers in Jesus Christ, the kingdom resides in each one of us individually. And that's, that's, and that's what we pray for in the Our Father, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's powerful. And then thirdly, and this is the church dimension or the ecclesiastical dimension that the Pope talks about. He said, here we see the kingdom of God is in the here and now, present in and through the church. 
He said, yet it is a mixed reality that will only be perfectly realized at the end of history. The current mixed state, he said, can be seen as the church on earth, which now grows in the field of the world with both weeds and wheat until the harvest when Christ says he will tell the reapers, gather the weeds and then bind the bundles and be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. I've heard people say that, Leslie, the kingdom is now and not yet, that that's one way to describe it. Okay, so Peter, you've done some additional research, and you discovered um, that Pope Benedict also talked about the kingdom in a Sunday Angelus in 2012, and he gave us some further insight into the mystery of the kingdom of God. Why don't we share a little bit about that, too? Yeah, he, he mentioned two parables that were in the Gospels that week, Leslie. It is Angelus. And the first parable he spoke of focused on the dynamism that's in the seed, as he called it. The one that's scattered on the ground sprouts and grows by itself. And in that parable, it's interesting, it says whether the farmer sleeps or is awake. And Benedict points out that the farmer and his daily efforts and his trust in the power of God and the seed and the goodness of the earth, but this parable also recalls the mystery that God's fruitful work in history is uh, a work of God itself. We can be confident because he's working whether we're asleep or awake. He, the Pope went on to say, he's Lord of the kingdom, and man and his humble collaborator who contemplates and is gladdened by that divine creative act can patiently await its fruits. Then the Pope goes on for the second uh, parable, Leslie, and he went on to note that the parable mentions a specific plant, the mustard seed, that we're all familiar with, right? This parable of the mustard seed. And he said, it's first of all, of course, considered the smallest of all seeds. And his comment was, despite its small size and it's full of life, and when it splits, the shoot is born, which is capable of breaking through the earth and growing until it becomes the greatest of all shrubs. The Pope went on to say about that parable, Leslie, that such is the kingdom of God, small in human terms, made up of those who do not trust in their own strength. That's us, right? You and me and our listeners. We don't have to rely on our human strength. But he said that of God's love of those who are unimportant in the eyes of the world. Yet through the power of Christ, it breaks forth and the kingdom transforms everything. Well, that's exactly what we've been reading about in the Acts of the Apostles. A small seed of the kingdom of God was sown. It grew amidst many obstacles. And then finally, in 313 AD, Constantine declared that Christianity was the official religion of the Roman Empire. So yeah, that's a great example. Think of how small it started with Jesus and the Twelve. And in 313, Constantine made it the religion of the empire. Okay, Peter, well, it's time for us to take another short break, and when we return, we're going to discuss how the gospel of the kingdom of God was the centerpiece of St. Paul's preaching and how we as Catholic Christians can rebuild this reality in our own lives, in our families, and even in our parishes. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website, 
Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. Welcome back, everyone, to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today, we are continuing our series, which is the call to rebuild the church here in America through the restoration of biblical Christianity. And we're learning, Peter, that the announcement of the kingdom of God was a big, big part of uh, biblical Christianity, wasn't it? It was central to their mindset. It was the mindset of these early Christian believers. Yes, and I think it would be helpful if you could... Um, help us understand more fully this gospel of the kingdom. What so, is it? Leslie, let's remember and go back to, into the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 8 when the people came to Samuel. And this is what they said to, or this is the scripture. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not follow in the ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then it says, Leslie, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and Ra- at Ramah and said to them, said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord. And listen, Leslie, this is what the Lord said to Samuel. Listen to the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they've not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them, just as they have done to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and striving after other gods, so also they're doing this to you. That's an amazing scripture. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I've been listening to the Bible in a Year broadcast with Father Mike Schmidt, and he actually has covered this point. And he said that this is the story of our lives as well. Yeah, We want to be like the nations or the culture around us. And however, God is calling to us. He wants to be our king and guide, and he wants to care for us, but we do not choose him. We prefer to be the Lord of our own lives, and we bow down to the gods of this world. Yeah, Father Mike said that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Peter, knowing this, what should we do to restore this truth of the kingdom of God and having Jesus as our king that was so critical to the lives of those early Christians? Well, Leslie, at this point, we've talked about and we realize that this is going to be a two-part series on the kingdom of God uh, because what we're laying today is a foundation so that that enzyme begins to work in us that we think about the importance of the kingdom of God to our Catholic Christian life. And then next week, we're going to talk about how to develop a kingdom mentality, the mentality of the kingdom in our practical life, and we'll get practical with the tools to do that. But this week, we lay the foundation. 
Uh, just as we've seen, Leslie, in 1 Samuel 8, that beautiful scripture about God's heart towards us in being our king, the desire for another king, and as Father Mike mentioned, we struggle with this today as well. We as Christians have somewhat lost the dynamic living gospel that Jesus, St. Paul, and the early apostles preached in their message. And I think it's also interesting that the early Christians were considered enemies of the state. They were accused of treason because they they had chosen Jesus to be their king. They were preaching another king. Yeah, exactly. And the gospel of the kingdom sounds like treason, even though it really isn't. That's, that's right. And Acts 17 makes that clear that we read today. So uh, let's listen again to the description of St. Paul and his message. They all are acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying that there is another king named Jesus. That's the message, Leslie, then, that, turning the, that turned the world upside down, this gospel to the kingdom. It got Jesus, John the Baptist, and the apostles in conflict with the world. Not the people of the world, Leslie, but the world system. When we talk about the world, there's we can think about the people of the world because God loves the world, right? John 3.16. But when we're talking about the kingdom that's in conflict with the world, we're talking about the world system. And it was a spiritual revolution that the apostles were introducing in these acts of the apostles against that world system that Jesus did in his ministry. Right, Jesus spoke of it. Right. St. Peter at Pentecost, remember, after he gave them the message of salvation, he told them, be saved from this wicked and perverted generation. He's talking about the world system there again. Then St. John in the apocalypse shows the end conflict between the world system and indeed the kingdom of God. And then, of course, St. Paul in Acts is speaking against an utter and total allegiance and calling us to that allegiance to Jesus Christ and his alternative civilization that we know is the kingdom of God. So indeed, the bottom line here today, Leslie, is spoken by Jesus in Matthew 6, 33, right? When he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. So Leslie, let's stop here today as we do as a custom and pray for ourselves and our listeners. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the kingdom that your son Jesus brought to the earth in himself, that he gives to us as we bow our knee to him, and as you have put in the church those three dimensions that Benedict XVI spoke to us about. Please enliven the Holy Spirit in us to see the kingdom of God that leads us to making Jesus Christ our king. We pray this for all of us, for all our listeners, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us today as we seek to connect you as individuals, your families, and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. To hear our past programs, you can go to catholicradioindy.org and you can access all previous broadcasts through the podcast tab on the webpage. You can also download the Catholic Radio Indy app from your app store and listen 24-7. And lastly, you can say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy 
and make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. So goodbye for now and keep keep the the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.